Hello and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where this evening we will be interviewing Right Worshipful Brother Cameron Bailey, the Deputy Grandmaster of Washington, and Right Worshipful Brother Trevor McCune of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Matthew Apple, and with joining me here on the Working Tools podcast today are our two usual hosts, Connor Massey and David Colbeth uh, from BC, Yukon and Washington, respectively. And this evening's conversation will be with our Right Worshipful Brother Cameron Bailey, who's the Deputy Grandmaster of Washington, and Right Worshipful Brother Trevor McCune, whose title I have forgotten. Uh, Grand Historian. Yeah, I apologize, sir. Grand Historian of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in Yukon. And and multiple time frequent guests on our show, which I apologize, sir. But welcome, uh, Cameron, Trevor, welcome for the show. Thank you, sir. So um, how does, I guess my, my first question is, how does one go about becoming Deputy Grandmaster? Is it something you, you aspired to doing uh, long ago when you first joined Masonry, or did you, did you decide it? No, later, not, decide it later? not when I first joined Masonry. I, I think... Uh, as I watched uh, the men who sort of mentored me when I started out in masonry, uh, most specifically uh, our brother Sam Roberts, uh, he was our district deputy when I when I first started out, and then he moved into the Grand Line, and and it sort of looked possible that way. Uh, I became a, a district deputy, and that made it look. Uh, look more possible. And then my professional life changed so that I had the, the time to do it. And, and so I decided to take the plunge. Um, in Washington, we, we are uh, elected generally in a contested election for the position of junior grand warden. And once there, we, the elections are, are rather pro forma uh, from that point on. Well, it's great. We're, we're glad you could do that and glad you could be here on our show this evening. Is um, So you've had, you've been Junior Grand Warden and Senior Grand Warden. Have you, I know as part of the Executive Committee, you guys plan for what's coming up. Have you been been planning out what'll happen after that pro, mostly pro forma election here uh, this coming summer or? Uh, yeah, so I have tentatively planned my, uh, planned my year. Uh, if COVID ends, we'll get to do the plans. Uh, if not, we may uh, we may have to make it up as we go, as we've been doing for for uh, well since January. So hopefully, uh, 
our health issues will be will be solved uh, and we'll be able to resume masonry uh, on a much more normal basis and get to see each other and lodge again. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So who, who is Cameron Bailey? How, how, how did you get to be a Mason? So that's uh, can, can, you about, can you talk about it on live TV? <laughs> yeah, slightly embarrassing. This story. Thing anyway. So when I was a, when I was a young man, I, I, uh, we had next door neighbors who I, I rather considered to be an additional set of grandparents for myself. Uh, and he was a Mason and I always admired him. Uh, he died when I was young, but I, I never forgot him and the, the good things that he did. Uh, most especially he was involved with the Shriners hospitals. Uh, became an adult, but never figured out that you have to ask to be a Mason. So, uh, sort of kept waiting to be asked. Uh, finally, I saw one of those stupid bumper stickers to be one, ask one. And that's a good thing because I probably never would have figured it out anyway or otherwise. But so once I saw one of those, I, I knew some Masons. And so I, I asked one that I knew and, and he took it from there. Very cool. I, I, I wholeheartedly admit that I'm a national treasure baby. That's what I, I kind of knew about the idea of masonry. I didn't really know what it was either. I don't have any family members that I know uh, necessarily. Uh, I found out later that my great-great-grandfather was a mason. And, of course, my wife's uncle who's the one that prodded me. But I, I had seen that after many, many years. And I had finally seen the show. And I thought, okay, I got to ask him next time I see him. And uh, he lives in Missouri, sure, sure enough. But, so, yeah, I think, I think it's okay. To, it is, it's, I think it's one of the unfortunate myths of Masonry is that you, we, were, we think we're supposed to be asked or we have to wait to be asked. And, right. and I, I remember going to Lodge Leadership Retreat and sitting across the table from several guys that one of them in particular had, had waited 20 or 30 years before he asked his father and his dad said, it's about time, and the old story. And I, I, it's, it's unfortunate because they lost so many years of relationship, not only as father and son, but as potential brothers and developing that. So, he, you know, he's seen his dad and uncle go away dressed up. They were farmers, Eastern Washington, and go away on Thursday nights in suits and ties and didn't know why they were going necessarily. So, See, so, yeah, I'm in the complete opposite boat. I think I started asking my dad if I could be a Mason when I was about six. He said no. <laughs> for many many years is he still saying no that's the <laughs> well he's it's a little late for him to say no i went and joined a different lodge so he didn't have much say <laughs> i don't know what you guys are talking about about this whole asking thing we just had a, a dark car showed up in front of my house and this guy with a cloak got out of it and it's like, you're welcome excellent that's what i was waiting for <laughs> exactly where have you been i am your father-in-law <laughs> So where, Cameron, are you a Washington native? Were you born and raised here in Washington? Yeah. Um, my family moved to uh, Snohomish uh, from England in 1890. And, uh, and we never have strayed very far from, the, uh, from that farm. Uh, my generation's actually the first that any of us have moved off the farm. Uh, so, so yeah, we're from Washington and, and never get too far from it. So, you, so you, you say Washington differently from from some of the other members of your grand line that we've we've interviewed. You don't say Washington. Well, I must be right because you know been here for a long time. 
That's the perfect attitude. I love it. So when they say Cameron goes to Washington, you not only, I mean, a little bit of irony in your case, because you live in Washington, but uh, Cameron goes to Olympia. So how, take us from the farm and growing up and all that to how did you become a legislative aide and now working, working in the political arena? I know we're not going to talk about politics, but that's your, what you do. Yeah. So, uh, my grandfather was, uh, um, county commissioner and a county councilman after Snohomish County took on home rule. He was then a, a one of our state senators. Uh, so that got me out on the local campaign trail, I guess, since I was a very young age. And then uh, I got involved with local politics myself. I served some time on the city council and later became mayor of my little town. Uh, during all of that, I, I helped a, a friend of mine by managing his own political campaign for the state legislature. Uh, he won and, and took me with him uh, to Olympia. So I had a political appointment with the legislature for, for 18 years. Uh, he left when he got a presidential appointment and I always wanted to uh, try my hand at lobbying, so I've been doing that ever since. Very so cool. So you actually work in D.C. as opposed to state, Washington, no? No, Olympia. Olympia, okay. Yes. I wasn't sure which Washington Cameron has gone to. <laughs> Slight play on words. So you are a recovering politician. I didn't realize that you were a mayor. Oh, yes. <laughs> Excellent. I didn't know that. Excellent. So how, how long, when, when was that time frame that you were mayor? Uh, that was the late 1990s, early 2000s. Okay. So, so you've been in administrative roles, such as being mayor, and you're still wanting to be the grandmaster. You must really, really enjoy that sort of uh, heckling for punishment, so to speak. Oh, no. Masonry is, is much better than, than political office much better uh, because you, you enjoy all the people that, that you're around uh, and, and at least in most cases you're all working towards a common good and a common goal. Uh, politics by its nature being divisive is a, is a totally different animal than holding a, a Masonic office. Speaking of masonry and politics, um, were you, the Grand Lodge of Washington has a legislative task force. Were you involved with that? Yes. Uh, so when he was Grand Master, uh, Most Worship Sam Roberts uh, got a hold of me. And with the idea of starting the task force, uh, I was still a, a legislative employee that time, so it was precluded from the, the ethics laws from participating, but I did help him uh, choose the, the men who were the first members of that and, and get it started up. Uh, the last three years while lobbying, I have, I have taken on a, a more active role with that as well. So um, just to clarify, would you mind uh, describing what the Legislative Task Force does, since our Canadian brethren may not... Yeah, certainly. Uh, 
the reason the issue that that caused it to begin was was as you may know some of our lodges if they have a great deal of of community use of the building uh, they can get a, a break on their property taxes uh, if it's enough public use of the building they can actually have those taxes remitted uh, altogether so department of revenue was considering rules changes that would have uh, disallowed our lodges from uh, from utilizing that that break in their taxes which would have meant that community groups that might be able to use our buildings for free well the if the building expenses go up we would we would then have to start charging those folks or or maybe not even have the building if uh, if we were unable to afford it so we the task force was created uh, to work with Department of Revenue and prevent that from happening uh, and that was that was its first uh, uh, major success I think the rules were changed a little bit but but our lodges are, are still allowed to participate uh, other things uh, a small thing for example uh, our rainbow uh, locally here in Centralia they raise a lot of their funds to operate each year by operating a, a firework stand. So they're very interested in, in keeping that legal and we're able to provide them, them and the information that they might need on, on proposals that come before the legislature. But I think the most important thing the task force does is it just reaches out to our legislators and hopefully to local officials as well and just lets them know that the masons are still here right because in so many cases uh, people believe that masonry is a thing of the past or is or is faded away and so so each year uh, the task force goes to Olympia along with with the elected Grand Lodge officers and and meets with as many legislators as possible just to remind them that that masonry is still here the Shrine Hospitals are still going strong. Scottish Rite uh, uh, speech and language programs are there. Washington Masonic Charities. And just to, uh, to try and build that bridge so that they realize that, that we're at work in their communities uh, and we're there to help if they run across something that we can help with. Well, I'll say for one, our lodge is a significant beneficiary of that tax reduction, we have a 48% tax reduction due to that, uh, the work that that team has done in Olympia. And uh, it's no small addition to our, our bottom line and managing our building. It's a significant, significant support. Excellent. Now we need to work on the, the capital grant program, but that's a whole nother bu yeah. bucket of apples. So so that's uh, another thing that our task force has been able to help with and and we have been uh very successful i believe we have received uh every grant that we have asked for uh that includes new windows in uh in centralia um, over in asotin uh that lodge building received enough money to uh 
to do a fairly major remodel. Uh, this year, our lodge building in Owaco uh, received funds, and also our uh, our building in Skykomish, which turned during the uh, a disaster last winter with the highway turned itself into a uh, an aid shelter, uh, is having uh, generators and fire escapes installed so that it can truly function as such if the need arises in the future. And so, so that's been a, a great program for our historic buildings as well. Just out of curiosity, uh, right, Marshall, Brother Treasure, Trevor or Connor, if you know, does, the, does British Columbia and Yukon have a, a formal link to, the, to your legislative body like that, or is it a more informal? No. I don't know. Does Trevor? Nothing. No, okay. no, there isn't anything. Interesting. I, 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 frankly, I hadn't even considered it until, until the, the task force was formed. I went, oh, yeah. So it's interesting that I'm glad someone thought of it. Robert Cameron, do you know offhand how many, I'm sure you do probably, how many Masons were, have been legislators or part of that process in Olympia and developing the state and all of that? I know you're a, a significant reader and historian, if you will. But. Yeah, so... If you, behind, there's a space behind each legislative chamber. I'm not sure how to explain it. Uh, sort of like, I guess you would find in a playhouse behind the stage. And there are photographs there uh, of each legislature since territorial days. And it's, it's interesting and something to be proud of when you look at those very early pictures and then you compare the, the membership lists of the Grand Lodge of Washington, and most in those early pictures were legislators. Uh, unfortunately, in today's age, uh, that has certainly uh, gone the opposite way. And, uh, and a legislator who's also a Mason is a, is a rare thing indeed. You've got to get more of those to be one ask one bumper stickers, that would be Exactly. <laughs> I know our uh, one, one of our other frequent guests, most worshipful Jim Mendoza, likes to, when he's doing installations at certain lodges, especially the ones that are sub-58, uh, lodge number 58, uh, he likes to talk about how those lodges are unique. And he'll usually, as he's presenting or having the master present the charter to the new master, the incoming master, he'll pause and he'll double check it beforehand, but he usually is correct in that it says it's a territorial charter yes. because the state of Washington didn't become a state until 1889, November. Or, and uh, we like to say we're, we're Kent, which is Verity Lodge number 59, Auburn, King Solomon number 60, and Western Star, which was at the time 61, now, we were in the middle of dispensation at that time. So we received our dispensation in, in 89 and uh, received our charter in 90 officially. But So we like to say we're officially the first three Washington lodges. <laughs> Washington hey, State uh, lodges. I, I haven't spent too much time staring at either of the charters of my lodges, but I know that this summer my mother lodge turned 100. Uh, as junior warden, I was going to have to organize a big what to do for that, but Unfortunately, COVID got in the way, and I wasn't able to throw the the grand slam that I wanted. 
Um, and I know that Asher Lodge, which is number three on the registry, is 150 something years old. Trevor might be able to answer that better than I do. Close enough. Yeah. But uh, they're both very, very old lodges, but I haven't had a chance to look at, at, at the charters as to whether or not they say territorial or not. But that's, that's a cool little fact. But yeah, probably not. Do you, does Canada have a reconstitution program? A lot of our lodges, when they hit a milestone like that, 50, 75, 100, 150, whatever, feel like an auctioneer, uh, when they hit milestones, then they'll request the Grand Lodge to come in and do a reconstitution as a nice ceremony and pomp and circumstance. Does Canada have that type of program? Uh, British Columbia does not have it officially, but we've had many Grand Masters who have taken the opportunity to have a party and have gone and reconstituted or rededicated the, the lodge hall or the lodge. Uh, our constitution doesn't allow it. Our form, our book of ceremonies doesn't have a ceremony, but that doesn't stop Grand Masters. I think ours might have been, what's the proper word, created? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's not officially in our standard work either, but magically these books appear. <laughs> So I've got to ask Cameron, I know it's completely it. off topic, but what is your background there? It looks like you're, you're getting ready to, what is that? Uh, so my wife purchased a, uh, a backdrop uh, for me, uh, and that is supposed to be an alchemical library. Oh, yeah, it's nice. like you're getting ready to go on your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I can tell it wasn't a fake one because you, you can see your shadow behind you there. So it's a oh yeah. I couldn't tell if it was a tavern or if it was a scientist room. And they're about the same. <laughs> it's an old timey scientist room. <laughs> so your um your interest in Washington and Masonic history. I mean, just out of curiosity, is that something you you pursued for a while? Is it just something you've come across, or did you actively pursue it? Does that make sense? If you have you, did you say, "Ooh, I want to learn more about Washington Masonic history," or did you just sort of accrete this? No, knowledge? I, yeah, I just, I, I, yes, I haven't formally studied it, but I, I enjoy reading and and spend a goodly amount of time doing it, and and uh, Freemasonry is certainly a, a interesting thing to to read about, uh, and my lodge, uh, one of my lodges, Centralia has has quite an extensive library uh, that gets very little use other than me. So there are, are some great resources there uh, covering masonry in Washington, but, but indeed throughout the world, uh, if you dig into it far enough. So, so what's, what's next for Right Worshipful Cameron? I, I... I've been enjoying your blog. If we haven't talked about that, I guess formally, but you, you've developed this blog since you became deputy grandmaster and write. Uh, is it officially weekly, or it seems to be kind of every few days? There doesn't seem to be an exact time frame, but maybe I'm lost in that. Yeah, no, no. There's there's no set schedule. Just whenever I, uh, something comes to mind, I guess. Uh, yeah, when when COVID struck, uh, I think we were all looking for for ways in which we could communicate with our brothers. Uh, and writing has always been uh, comfortable for me. So I, I decided to uh, 
to do a little writing. I'm not sure how extensive the blog will, will gather, how long I'll continue. But as long as, as COVID is here, I think it's, it's a good way to communicate with, with our brothers. I, I feel badly that, you know, I and, and the rest of the team, we were, we were installed and then disappeared, basically. And so we're, we're doing our best to, to remain visible and, and communicate however we're able. And I know you you probably will say that you don't want to step on our current grandmaster's toes, but I really enjoyed rereading the vision, losing vision and visionary leadership blog post that you did. And so we've got about 10 minutes here left in this segment or so. Can, can you take us down the path of assumed grandmaster Bailey's vision for Washington Freemasonry? Is that a, is that a 10 minute topic or an hour hour and 20 minute topic (laughs) no i i i think there there's three little little points i can touch on i think um one thing that we we do and we spend a a tremendous amount of time and and money doing are our uh, uh, district meetings around the state um and i don't think that they that they work generally um, I think that most folks find them mighty dull. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but I know for my own self, before I was in the Grand Line, the only district meetings I ever attended were the ones I was forced to because of my position in the Lodge. And and I fear that, that it's like that for a lot of brothers. And so one of my plans for my year is I want to, to fix those meetings. I want those meetings to be fun. I want them to be educational. And I want them so that when brothers don't come in my year, they're, they hear about what happened and they're wanting to come in Ed and Steve's year. Uh, because I think we can make those meetings fun, a good place of fellowship. And I think we can make them educational. And I think that's what our brothers are calling out for. And, uh, and so that's one of my goals for next year is to, is to actually fix our, our district meeting process, uh, the whole thing from, from top to bottom, and, uh, and give our brothers a, a much better experience with that. Because other than our annual communication, that's, for most of our members, the only real opportunity that they have to sit down with us and talk with us. And that should be a, a positive occasion and and not something that that people feel like they they'll only attend if if they have to attend for some reason so that's one of my goals for my year another thing i i want to do i find masonry rather odd in that we have our dues structure but we don't really have any kind of formal mechanism for the man who who might have more resources than some of his fellows and who wants to contribute more uh, to masonry financially. So I'd like to create a formal structure so that a man can do that if he wants to. If he has the resources to, to pay double his yearly dues, well then we should have a, a formal structure 
uh, for him to do that. Uh, we don't have anything like that now, but I think it, it's super easy to set up. And, and I think we have a lot of men who, who do have more resources uh, through hard work or luck or what have you, who might want to contribute more. And, uh, and I think that they will uh, contribute more if we set up a process for them to do it. Uh, the third thing I want to do is, excuse me, take a good hard look at how we mentor and educate our, our new Masons. And I know David that this is very close to your heart as well. Uh, in far too many cases, I feel like we bring in a candidate, we give him a degree, we throw a book at him, literally we throw a book at him. The book's not even a very good book. And we tell him to, to read the thing, fill out the answers and bring them back. Well, that's, that's not gonna excite him. That's one of the reasons why we, we have such poor membership retention. You know, I was, I was blessed in that I didn't have a, a mentor like that when I joined the craft. Instead, I had a guy who used to either throw me in his car and drive me to a lodge meeting somewhere. I think in my first week as an EA, we attended, I attended three lodge meetings. Or he'd stick me in his living room and we'd read a book together and, uh, and drink a lot of his very expensive scotch. And what I found interesting is when I've talked with my fellow grand officers, they all had a similar experience with their mentor, right? But far too often, what we're ending up with in Washington is they take the new candidate education book, they just hand it to the guy and he's on his own. And, and that's no way to do it. We, can, we need to, to show the man Everyone has to discover masonry for themselves. There's no question about that. But we have to put his feet on the path so that he can actually do so. And so I certainly hope to, to be able to work on our mentoring program in, in the Grand Lodge of Washington during my year. I have a, I funny, think, a funny story please. about that. Um, one of my mentors, I was lucky enough to have two. And even today, I have lots lots of people who I go to, like, I'll send Trevor an email at like three o'clock in the morning with questions about the history of our Grand Lodge. And he always gets back to me. Um, but uh, my mentor, when we were going over the memory work, we, our Grand Lodge has a, a new member book, or at least my lodge does. And uh, well, when I was first going through the degrees, I didn't really have a mentor. And I thought I had to memorize this entire book, like word for word, memorize the entire book. And it wasn't until someone told me that it was just the last three pages that, uh, that I realized what was going on. But I thought that was quite funny, this 40-page book that he had to memorize or thought he had to memorize. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's a wonderful, I, I really like that idea of, of better mentorship. I, I'm a big fan of education myself. I think all of us are. It's kind of hard to not run a Masonic podcast unless education is important to you. Yes. Well, on that note, um, I, I'm hoping that you uh, both, uh, Right Worship Brothers Cameron and Trevor, you'll, you'll stick around for another episode here, and we'll get to, 
to discussing um, some of the contents of Right Worship Brother Cameron's uh, uh, blog, which can be found at right, that's W-R-I-T-E dot A-S slash C-M Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. Um, and so if anybody wants to prepare for next week's show, we're going to start by uh, discussing the, uh, the well, what is currently the July 28th, 2020 um, posting, which is called That Which Cannot Be Defended. And we'll have a little discussion about that and, uh, and Prince Hall Masonry and recognition between lodges. Um, so unless you, either of our esteemed guests have anything further to say, um, brothers, do you? Hearing none. <laughs> um, on behalf of a uh, uh, very worship brother David and brother Connor and myself, thank you both for, for coming out this evening. And it's always good to see you, uh, right worship brother Trevor and Cameron, welcome to the show. And we hope that you will join in uh, with us again next week on the Working Tools Masonic Podcast. Thank you.